and welcome back to Infinity Circuit Radio. My name is Alex. And I'm Wes. It's been a little while, guys. Uh, it's not for lack of passion about 40K or <laughs> Hobby Mojo or anything. It's just been a comedy of errors in regards to us getting together and making sure our computers aren't exploding and Wes isn't instructing the Royal Air Force noon and night. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, it's been uh, it's, it's quite testing, isn't it? We how many times we try to get together and we've had like computer snags and like we tried everything, we tried different programs and uh, and then just then life getting in the way. So yeah, it's been uh, a lot longer to get together than we'd hoped for. In a way, though, it's kind of good because the sort of storm has passed. Uh, there's <laughs> there's mass devastation across the land, but at least we could <laughs> at least we can start surveying it at this point. Um, as GW said, massive changes, rock matched play. So um, we will be addressing that in regards to Eldari uh, in this episode here. Lightning fast reactions, boy oh boy. <laughs> yep, yeah boy. It's uh, yeah, it has been quite this tsunami of activity coming out of Games Workshop for uh, for the changes from the studio. Yeah, and it's been a mixed bag. Um, there's been a lot of changes for the better. Um, there's a lot of changes for the worse. Um, Eldari, you know, especially Asuriani, have been like, you know, they've been hit pretty hard. Um, there's many, many little changes that drastically affect how you play your game. But um, yes, we'll be covering all of that today, and uh, there's a lot to get into. But um, you know, before we uh, dive into the salt mines, why don't we start off with the uh, the joy of hobby? <laughs> yeah, man. What, what have you been up to? Well, I've done I've done a decent amount um, since the last time we recorded. Um, so, number one, my boy Wes, thank you. Wes sent me a huge amount of models. He sent me a Black Templar's army with all the special characters, Redemptor Dreadnoughts, uh, Impulsors. Uh, all of the limited edition box sets, which was really nice, and all of the chaos stuff from Eldritch Omens. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite the box. I initially tried to put it in like into the box within the boxes, and then I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, this is uh, several boxes to send this stuff." So I just took it all out and just filled a massive box up with plastic for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you uh, airdrop that thing onto my house, it would have crashed right through the roof. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'll need a chunk to lift that bad boy. Yeah, it's absolutely beastly. So um, I'm really, really excited to dive into some of these other things, especially um, from a crusade perspective, uh, which we'll get into towards the end of the show. It's one of the reasons I'm like, despite being frustrated by a lot of these changes and stuff, I'm really, really excited um, for 40K right now. I don't like, I'm just going to sort of bypass all the stuff that's bothering me and focus on what I like. Um so from the stuff that Wes sent me, I, um, well, actually I haven't finished anything. What I did was, um, <laughs> I painted a, a war dog to try and complete my world eaters army. I just have to finish, uh, another war dog and my 2000 point world eaters army is going to be complete. That's my first non Eldar army. Wow. Cool. Yeah. So, um, and the, it's an army that's going to be sort of a studio army, so to speak, that me and my brother sort of trade off playing with and against. So um, there aren't a lot of chaos players in my area. 
and my my corsairs are chaos hunters so i mean i need some prey races besides the imperial guard and uh <laughs> chaos are looking really really good right now so i'm definitely fired up for that prey on the week that's it so <laughs> other than that um i finished 10 banshees uh 10 shining spears i, I what did i i i like I had like five more banshees to paint, an extra shining spear to paint, and I played my first test game uh, for the new campaign, which we will feature on the on the show for Crusade. And I played with my brother. We had an absolute blast. So, awesome. yeah, it was really really good experience, um, and I can't wait to I can't wait to keep playing. Um, how about you, Bud? What have you been working on? Uh quite mixed a lot of stuff actually because I, I was doing a load of the uh uh the eldari stuff and i got a little bit distracted with some kill team stuff so i've been painting up uh, quite a few sets of kill team uh terrain which has been uh, really cool so i've got some uh of the new morok set which is uh <clears throat> it's all like bunkers and things like that cool. um, and i've made like a little board so it kind of it kind of reminds me of, like the bunker assault on endor oh, in star yeah. wars uh, yeah so so that's my that's my jam at the minute so i'm working on that uh so talk about trees as well, uh, Sylvaneth. So nice. got wind that Sylvaneth were on their way, and it's kind of like, I think it's my favorite AOS army. So uh, I, I painted about 15 trees, and I've started Alariel and doing oh, some of the models sick. and stuff as well. And I've started into the new models now uh, for that as a just a bit of a break. Um, because on top of that, I've been doing some heresy stuff as well. I've been really distracted. Uh, so the heresy box set. I've, I've painted up a load of new stuff from my uh, first Legion boys um, for that. Uh, currently working through four rhinos. Uh, but the rest of the stuff is complete for the box set. Oh, cracky, what else have I been working on? Uh, yeah, it's just some kilting playtesting as well. That's been quite busy. So, yeah, that's been keeping me uh, keep me busy when I do have some some downtime in between work really so uh uh yeah that's been about it really for me that's cool man well it's you know it's fun it's fun when you have you know really large fully painted armies where you can start expanding into other projects and that's sort of the point i'm at right now um i know definitely after i finish uh my second war dog i'm really excited to get back to painting some eldar um i have two falcons that I'm ready to paint and um, another war punter. I mean, war punters are obviously not in the best spot right now. Um, but despite the points increases, I really am excited about playing Falcons. I think they're very good um, with Knights on the Rise, Pulse Lasers and Bright Lances are phenomenal. And the ability to deep strike uh, turn one and potentially have Fire Dragons or whatever else in there. Really cool. So... Um, despite a lot of the changes for Eldar, I have like a sort of back catalog that I'm really looking forward to getting painted up. Yeah, me too. I've got, uh, I also made up my uh, Shining Spears. So I've got Sweet. two boxes of those. I've made five up with the Exarch, and then I've uh, I've made an Autarch uh, using the bits as well. So I'm kind of, I haven't quite finished it yet. I'm still waiting a little bit more inspiration just to make it look a bit more badass, really. So, um, I've got like the, the core bits of it done, but I'm just, uh, yeah, I just want to make it look a bit special. Yeah, I'm actually trying. I'm thinking I might do a uh, command falcon. Actually, uh, I have like oh, nice. You, like for newer players, they might not 
going to remember this. I think it's still on the GW website, but there's command vehicle upgrade sprue that you can get on GW. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's just like a little sensor suite that you can add on to you know, Falcon chassis vehicles. And uh, I have a command wave serpent, but I, I thought it'd be really cool to have a command uh, Falcon for my Corsair Prince. So uh, got a bunch of fun little projects. It's just painting like a unit here and there because my craft world army is absolutely freaking massive. Like <laughs> um, I can pretty much do any build at this point. So um, it's just a matter of sort of fleshing it out and uh, going from there. Yeah, it, it's nice to be in that position now. Is it just I kind of I don't feel pressured to you to get anything painted uh, because I've got enough to keep, see me through. So it's just a kind of I can hobby butterfly my way through finishing projects uh, projects as I feel like it. Yeah, like sort of the way I feel about it right now is I'm actually able to sort of paint for enjoyment and just focus on playing my Eldar. It's been hard to get in games right now because everything is beyond freaking crazy right now uh, for <laughs> both of us. But um, yeah, I'm more excited to just play my Eldar than sort of trying to rebuild them because despite all of these changes, the sort of time I spent uh, like the past year sort of fleshing out my craft world army really really paid off and um, you know 10th edition 11th edition you know there's really not that much more I can add um, you know beyond just for the sake of being a collector so um, yeah I'm fired up to keep playing my craft world and I'm excited to paint some uh, new armies ah oh, sweet yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to getting some, uh, some games in now I've got a bit more time in my life so yeah that's, uh, that's going to be my, my summer getting ready to to play some uh, some busy games yeah all that being said positivity aside uh it's it's time to get into the uh big changes to the game right now because <laughs> boy oh boy have there been some massive changes and on the whole i have to be honest i don't really agree with most of them i don't really think any of it is like game breaking or anything but it's like the way I sort of like imagine it is like you're this, the game is like this big lumbering beast. It's trying to like run forward and just like get into stride. And there's all these like hooks that are just like holding it back. And every time it's about to break free, a whole nother, you know, swath of chains and hooks fly into it and just keep it from sort of getting to where it wants to go. But yeah. um, how do you feel about it? Just on the whole. Yeah. So, so I think, Ninth edition is in an interesting place right now because I think as books have been released, the ninth edition power level has been higher than the eighth edition one. So I think as books have come out, they felt more powerful because they were more powerful, and then they've been retro toned down to like an almost eighth edition kind of level. Um, so it means every book's come out has been balanced within ninth and then balanced down to eighth, and now we're in a position where actually most of the books now are actually ninth edition books. Yeah. So you could almost, I think, my gut feeling is you could almost scrap a lot of the leveling that's been done and just play the ninth edition game right now. And most books would kind of be on par. You know, stand fast a few uh, broken combos here and there. But I think the core books against each other now are in quite a good place. But I think we've got to this point now where through the process of ninth edition, things have been batted back. The, the natural process is to bat things back as opposed to let things run as they should be. Yeah. And, and, you know, to that, um, a lot of the armies have, ba have basically gone back to uh, their launch points values. Um, the older 9th edition books like Sisters, Space Marines, I think a lot of Death Guard stuff, Admech. Um, I think some of the changes 
to like army composition and armor of contempt as clunky and as sort of confusing as that can be when you start factoring in stratagems and terrain and you know this that and the third um i feel like those changes have been pretty positive but i feel like since the beginning of ninth edition the points values have been um with the FAQs and all that kind of stuff, you know, especially when they like errated the entire game, we're like way off, you know, way, way off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite interesting as well. Cause I think there's a thing about when a new book drops, I think at times it can appear more powerful than it actually is because people haven't really learned how to counter it yet. Yeah. So I think it's easier to learn how to, to fight it than it is fight against it initially. So there, there's always that, new book inertia uh so i think books tend to peak a little bit higher straight out of the bat but i think the the pushback that you get them from the community of people being upset about the power levels in some of the book you know which some of them have been have been too too powerful but oh, yeah. i think the backlash you get in general means that you know they end up nerfing back when actually just stand fast a couple of months and they'll be okay yeah for sure for sure uh, you know, since we're sort of on that, um, you know, I think, I think the overwhelming majority of books have been really, really good uh, of the ninth edition books. I don't think they were massive problems. I think there's been a few really bad combos, um, and the only two armies, like straight up armies, that I think really were out of control uh, were Drukari and Tyranids, and uh, you know, the saga of Drukhari is, you know, well documented at this point. But, you know, I think that book was so complicated. It was really hard to see, like, what exactly was going on with it. Um, there's a lot of things I liked, but there's a lot of things I hated. Um, and so, in my opinion, you know, Drukhari and Tyranids were the two just sort of overall armies that were way out of control. Um, which sucks because from a rules perspective, not a points perspective, I love Tyranids. That's like one of my favorite books of the edition. Um, but, you know, just just to list off like the sort of the offenders, it was like Admech Flyers, Orc Buggies, Tau SMS, Necrons are way too weak. And they, for whatever reason, changed the points values the day of launch for Custodes, which was super annoying. Um, and yeah. that was baffling. Um, and Hail of Doom, Craftworld Eldar. Um, so, but if you look at the good column, besides like, you know, Hail of Doom, Craftworld Eldar, Asuriani, you know, Asuriani, Space Marines, Dark Angels, Blood Angels, Admech, Thousand Suns, Knights, Death Guard, now Chaos, Space Marines, Chaos Knights are awesome, Imperial Knights are awesome, GSC is really hard, but really good, Space Wolves have like, you know, people have finally it took a while it took about like six months but they have seen you know really good representation in tournament play and have done very very well uh same with sisters and templars are kind of middling but they've you know they've done well at times too um if you guys go over to like goonhammer or the thursday show on the signals from the frontline network and go to warhammer 40k stats you can sort of see uh, faction representation and win percentage and so you know just for comparison like a lot of people are like oh craft world Eldar really needed a hammering and hail of doom needed to die don't get me wrong but um only five percent of players were actually playing craft world Eldar, whereas 12 percent were playing tyranids um, yeah and 
the people who were playing craft world eldar we're talking like you know your manny chimas your nick Nanavatis. it's not just the sort of uh you know salt of the earth rtt guys showing up in droves because it's a very simple army to play it's not so yeah and i I think that's a really interesting comment actually because i think a lot of the the data and stuff is looked at like high-end tournament players yeah well actually they're, they're probably the two percenters probably not even that they're probably point point two percent of people that play the game mm-hmm. so when you look at the average joe playing a craft world army for example they're not going to potentially get anywhere near that 56 percent of win rate yet the game is being balanced off the point two percenters uh, which i find really fascinating but actually like you're saying they're 56 percent 45 to 55% is kind of the ideal mix. 56%. Yeah. It's just a smidge over. You know, and that's and that's with Hail of Doom. So yeah. it, it shows that that book probably isn't as, you know, as powerful as, as people make it out to be because there's probably lots of people there who are struggling to win games with it too. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I was listening to... I can't remember who it was, but it was like... It was somebody, I think it was on the Thursday show, and they were like, yeah, I rocked up with my, you know, Suriani, and, and I was all big and bold, and, like, I didn't really have, like, a plan. I was a little tired, and I got absolutely smacked with my Hell of Doom list. And, obviously, everybody knows I'm a huge, you know, Craftworld fanboy, but, um, you know, I honestly think that. I'm a huge Drukari fanboy, and everyone knows how much I hated that book. Um <laughs> <laughs> and you know just being honest like there's a lot of things with the harlequins i wasn't happy with either um and those things have sort of definitely come home to roost yeah yeah it, it, it's tricky isn't it because um it's, some of these armies it do come out of the back with things that you, you're, not, you're not necessarily a fan of and stuff and you know, they do end up being a little bit over overpowered for the game initially and they do they do need to be tailored back uh toned down pretty quickly but uh, I think a degree of caution about how it's done is. I, I think probably the biggest issue that they've had during the edition is that I think the books have been really quite detailed, yeah. which makes it a little bit more difficult to balance. And um, for like I say, coming out of the gate, people not necessarily understanding the true power of it until it's you know been out in the wild for a few months. I think <clears throat> Games Workshop don't necessarily do a good job of messaging. No, they don't do a good job of messaging, uh, and I think. Especially with the release here, uh, if if you look at the the kill team update and the 40k update, the headlines for 40k were all about yeah we're smashing up the meta, we're destroying this, that, and the other, which to me is a really really bad thing. When you read the the, um, the kill team one, it's all about hey we recognise there's a few things that are outlying here a little bit, and we're making managed measured adjustments to things, yeah, not smashing through the meta. Like, I just it really made me wince when I read that headline that they were smashing at the meta. I didn't. I don't think that's a good way to approach game balance. You don't go in like a wrecking ball. Yeah, and I don't like you were saying. I don't really think they truly understand like their demographic. Like everybody playing Warhammer spent like a lot of money on Warhammer, but I mean, I have like I don't know fifteen thousand points of Craftworld Eldar. That's fifteen thousand points I put together over like twenty years. So, like, the the, yeah. pro, the pro players are the ones that are able to keep up with all of this and, you know, putting up those, like, eye-popping wins. The, the rest of humanity is not doing that. Um, so, um, you know, it's tricky. It's definitely tricky because I, I will say at the same time, I, maybe you would say I'm part of the problem. Like, um, 
I want to play the same sort of set of rules that everyone else is playing. Like, I, I would like to think that I could get in there in a competitive game with the army I like and be able to compete. Like, I don't like the sort of, if I was playing, you know, just say like the difference between narrative play in match play was like playing Horus Heresy in Ninth Edition 40K, where it's a completely different system. Like, I don't want yeah. that. Um, no. I want my skill set to translate, you know, no matter whether I'm playing matched or narrative play. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that GW will sort of dive into that and give better definition to the game sort of in that way and just make it more accessible that's like the biggest problem right now like i don't even want to play uh you know traveling players just because it's just too complicated especially with all the faqs and all the rest of it you know yeah 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 i, I completely understand that and i think that's quite a, a large <clears throat> a large topic to discuss really about the, the complexity levels of the, the current game i think uh I, I think they've done a really good job of capturing the feel for all the armies but i think the level of depth and especially I've, I've noticed it myself where I haven't been able to play as much as I normally would and then trying to get back into it, it again is, is quite tough because there's, there's lots of layers in it now it's not the pick up and play game that it, that it once was or uh, when you're when you're riding that wave once you're off that wave it's quite difficult to, to try and get back into it again it is it is but to you know to help you guys like you know get back up on that wave if you do want to dive back into match play because narrative play is just waiting there for you um <laughs> you know let's go over some of the the eldari changes um you know craftworld eldar uh sort of had the most but uh harlequins definitely had some very notable ones um yeah shut up yeah, we're not going to go into like every single points change. You guys can go download the PDF and just look at it. Like, I want to talk about sort of big picture and where do we go from here type thing. So, you know, just to start off with, characters have all gone up five to ten points, uh, the Phoenix Lords included. Um, uh, I thought that they were sort of expensive to begin with. You know, maybe not Farseers, but I know I'm sort of like on the outside on this, but I, I, I'm not particularly wild about Farseers anyways. Um, I thought the Phoenix Lords were, were the better move. Like, the Avatar went up 10 points. Um, Aspect Warriors went up, like, one point per model. I, I don't think that's the end of the world, generally. Uh, Aspect Warriors went up generally. Shining Spears didn't change. Warp Spiders going up two points per model, in my opinion, is completely unnecessary. Um uh hawks going up two points per model yeah that's probably sensible um uh, but i don't know maybe not with the changes to secondaries with stranglehold going away um just sort of a what the fuck moment is scatter laser wind riders going up to a, a five points like guys like do you realize what we're talking about here it's hail of doom it's the shirk and cannons that were the issue and even then with changes to Hill of Doom, Armor of Contempt. Is this really necessary? Yeah. Um, so I, th you know, I thought Wind Riders were expensive to begin with too, and I think that was like the competitive consensus as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I was really surprised by that one actually, because that I, for me it wasn't the big boogeyman; it was the the Shuriken Cannon spam that you had. Yeah, Falcons and Prisms went up five points. Uh, 
that's a bit of a toughie because I thought that they were really expensive for what they were, um, especially considering prisms need a stratagem to ignore invulnerable saves. I don't know if yeah. they were trying to protect knights against that, but you know, at times you feel like some of these changes are made before or you know before they're aware of other changes. Like, oh well, if Craftworld Eldar players are starting with like t- you know, twelve command points you know, a turn, you know, at the beginning of the game and they're just like blowing away knights with fire prisms, you know, if you go first, um, you know, maybe that would be an issue, but when you're going down to like six command points, you know, four if you want a relic or a warlord trait, I don't really think that's much of a threat, especially with the rest of the army going up in points because, like we said, aspect warriors are are the engine of the army and uh, they're very expensive yeah yeah i totally agree and i i always thought the aspect war should be expensive but yeah that, I, I think the uh the warp spider one is just a, a bit off for me to be honest yeah because they weren't exactly tearing up the meta and no. if you were afraid of people pivoting from swooping hawks to warp spiders warp spiders are still really expensive and fragile and i've always said this like, I don't know, like, who they're trying to protect. It feels like it's Space Marine players. Like, but <laughs> if you just took mobility in your army, they're nothing. A T3, 3-plus armor model with one wound, that's why they gave yeah. Space Marines armor of contempt. Yeah, so, yeah, because armor doesn't mean much to them because there's so much uh, AP flying around. Right, and Craftworld Eldar don't have any way to sort of mitigate that, even with their 5-plus invulnerable aspect saves. So... No. Um, and then the final change, which really set me off, this made me more mad than pretty much anything, is fucking 20-point vectored engines. It's a once-per-turn fire and fade. Like, come on. Like, I, it was kind of crazy to take it in the first place, especially if you're taking it on multiple vehicles. But, like, what are we doing here? Like, like what game was that breaking, especially with the smaller board sizes? Like, you were firing and fading just to stay alive for most of these armies. And, you know, when world eaters come out, like, you know, we'll see what that's like. Yeah. It seems like they've done a 180 on the, the ability to move after doing stuff. I think. Yeah. That's what, that's the feeling I get with this. Cause they, they, they really nerf the, uh, the fire and fade in there. Cause it's once per game, which is ludicrous. Like, yeah, you could do it once per turn, like, and it's expensive and you're down to like, you know, four to six command points like i sure as hell wasn't going to use it i'd be saving those command points for phantasm yeah yeah so uh yeah it looks like it's a it's a game design thing that they really want to backtrack on yeah the the ability to move after shooting um do you want to take us through the uh the balanced data slate <laughs> changes on the whole for craftworld eldar and just you know i'm fascinated to know what you're going to say because we haven't had a chance to talk too too much about this yet Oh, do you want to go through the Azjarni, or do you want me to go through the, the Harlequins? Yeah, why don't you go through the Harlequins, and we'll circle back to Craftworld Eldar. Yeah, for sure. So the, the Harlequins uh, got a few knockdowns. So the, the Luck Dice, uh, there was a table that allowed you to have, uh, I think it's like starting three, four, five dice, depending on the, the size of the game. Essentially, that, that's gone. And the only way to gain Luck Dice now is to, to roll those D6, which uh, I don't mind, actually. I, th- I think probably the number of rolls they were getting initially was uh probably a bit too much maybe if they're just gone a flat you get one and then 
uh, you then get to to roll those dice. Yeah. I think I, I, from a thematic perspective, I like the the fickle nature that you have of having to roll those dice to get those rolls. Yeah, I'm with that definitely. Uh, Mirror Architect uh, that has uh, changed now as well. So the start of your next command phase, uh, each time an enemy is selected to shoot. Um, so now it's what you have to do is before it's like a bubble or effect. Now you have to dish it out to one uh, Sadath core unit yeah. within uh, nine inches of you. So that's uh, that's got a nerf on that one actually because uh, people tended to to make a little bubble around the uh, the shadows here uh, to protect them initially as they're going in. So yeah, that's uh, that's got knocked down. Yeah, it was really just to protect against the Alpha Strike because like the Harlequins are going to be moving into range, um, and the bikes aren't exactly. Wait, is it Harlequins infantry or is it bikes? Uh, it's core units. Okay. Yeah. So, which, as per the book, is just uh, is just the bikes, but I think it's been changed to, to factor in being the troops as well. Yeah. And besides the shadow so you couldn't really keep up with the bikes anyway. So that was definitely yeah. a bummer. I, I didn't feel like that was necessary. The luck dice one, yeah. This one, not so much. Yeah. So the one is uh, the wall of traits, uh, favor of Segrak, where you were. Uh, able to get a hit uh, wounds, sorry, a hit roll or uh, in shooting or melee or save roll and automatically count as unmodified six. Yeah. They've got rid of the unmodified six on a shooting attack uh, because the natural thing was just to give that to the death jester with the exploding shots and stuff. So uh, I, I can see why they've done that. Yeah. You know, that being said, I wish like the shadow, uh, the death jesters or just like natural data slate was a bit of, a bit more beefy like the Shrieker Cannon and all that stuff was a bit better. Um, it's like one of those things where you have to jump through a bunch of hoops to sort of get it to where it needs to be. Um, so, you know, not an unreasonable decision, but it, it's just unfortunate when it's kind of... I mean, the the Death Jester is still good, but it takes a lot of shine off of them, and it's, it's hard to sort of get that in between with them now. Yeah, so I, I think the buff that we've got now where it's uh, flat two damage and minus two is a nice change to the, the Death Jester from the older book. Yeah. I, I still would have liked it to be a bit more unique, uh, a little bit more flavor. I think the the the, um, the pivotal rolls that you can give it are really nice and add a bit of flavor to the Death Jester, but I kind of wish that was just part of it. Yeah, and like a more mild buff, you know, like... Yeah. I don't know if you kill a model, all of a sudden it's strength six AP two blast or whatever. It does like flat, th you know, three hits to the rest of the uh, yeah. the unit or something like that. Yeah. So at, at the time, that was the that was the direction where the the books were going. Wasn't having these little upgrade character things, but now I just feel just because of the complexity of things actually just include that in the data sheet. Yeah. You could all, almost have three death justice you could choose from or something yeah. like that so yeah those sort of things just on the data sheet itself they, they did that back in the day like space marine apothecaries and whatnot and librarians they would have like separate data sheets like in second edition and whatnot and i mean yeah. there's a lot there but it's it's a lot easier from a sort yeah. of game management standpoint yeah so that's uh <clears throat> that's that change and then uh, there's a change to the say of the lights uh the <clears throat> Automatic fail on the one, two, three has moved from being uh, shots within 12 inches uh, to shots within 18 inches away. So you can be closer and still be affected by this now. Yeah. Sorry, be, you have to be further away to not be affected by it. Yeah, definitely a bummer. I really loved light. 
I thought it was really cool um, because you could really spring some nasty traps with it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, so now if you get within 18 inches, you, you can be affected rather than 12 that was before. Yeah. Uh, and the Dark Sadath, where you see it the fight on death now, it's just each time a model's destroyed, essentially, you roll a, a D6 on a 4 plus, the unit suffers a mortal wound. Uh, you know, really lackluster. Like, I agree, like, Dark was way overpowered, but, like, I just wish it wasn't overpowered to begin with. Um, yeah. You know, like, I wish that there was just, like, a sort of, like, happy medium way where, like, the craft world stuff, for the most part, really felt like that. Like, nothing, you know, despite, like, the insane amount of rules, like, Ulthway has or whatever, it's not, like, blowing you, like, you know, bulldozing your opponent over. You know, it's just, like, a lot of things to keep track of. Yeah, exactly. Uh, again, that's the that's the changes of the Harlequins, though. Yeah, so, I mean, you're a Harlequins guy, like, like how are you feeling after all of this and just in general um i i think i think i honestly i I don't think that's too bad to be honest from from my perspective um i wish it was these to start with i guess um because it just feels a little bit bad having some good stuff taken away from you i think uh i think as we said before i think harlequins from the old edition to now they just needed a little bit of a buff yeah they got quite a bit of a buff um, so I think I think this is just bringing them back a little bit more to where they needed to be, to be honest. Yeah, and that's sort of how I was with like Drukari too. Like I remember being like, "Oh, this is the army that needs like the least love um, out of the Eldar books." Um, well, no, Harlequins after um, Psychic Awakening were amazing. Um, yeah. But you know, b- prior to that, like Drukari, I was just like, you know, I love these rules. Um, you know, if they buffed some of like the more unique cult units like um you know hellions and reavers and just sort of gave them ninth edition weapon profiles with maybe some you know some different data sheets uh data sheet abilities like i would have been really really happy like pulling the guys we're talking about you know uh eviscerating flyby as like a baked in rule for reavers same thing with harlequins like i hate having to use stratagems to um get their you know the kiss caress and embrace to function in a unique way um and obviously uh you know that's a real tough sell with how few command points you have now so um i mean harlequins are definitely not like you know wrecked from this or whatever but it's just it's very complicated yeah yeah i i think so um i some, so much of the flavor came from the Harlequins from some of the stratagems. Some of the real flavorful stratagems went away um, in this edition. So uh, my gut feeling is <clears throat> Harlequins will still be fine after this change. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're still going to be fine. Um, I just... <clears throat> the thing that really troubles me at the minute is the, the changes to the game in terms of, uh, you've alluded to there, the... You now get six CPs at the start of the game. Yeah. And then uh, you essentially get one start uh, back at each player's turn. So you're still getting the same, but it's uh, it's progressing through the game. Uh, where you can't uh, max all out on them initially. And I will say this, like Harlequins are definitely one of those factions that was built around command points. Like their spikes yeah. and sort of like Nova damage and whatnot came from 
command point usage with stratagems and uh, relics and warlord traits and all of that stuff because um, despite being a more complex army, they play a little less complex and less dynamic on the board than they did originally with, you know, the 8th edition Psychic Awakening stratagems like the Curtain Falls where, you know, you could sort of do that tri-point movement after, yeah. you know, you move, charge, bounce back out of combat. Um, I know that was really powerful, but like as ninth edition went on, there's so many damage to weapons now. Like, I don't really think that was much of an issue. Like, you can wallop... Um, like sky weavers and stuff like that with heavy bolters and you know the the players die so quickly yeah 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 i totally totally agree totally agree. did you want to have a look at the eldari ones yeah yeah uh this is like a lot less comprehensive um hill of doom basically went to all consuming um which means you can't choose a second trait I'm going to be totally honest. I would have just gotten rid of it like all together and they could just pretty much do away with everything else. Um, like, you know, hail of doom is not intrinsic to the Eldar experience <laughs> on the tabletop, you know? Um, yeah. So I, you could have gotten rid of that and just sort of left most of the points and everything else alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right there. You know, so, like there's so many changes made to the game. Why don't you just do something like that instead of like doing all these checks and balances? If there's like one thing that's majorly offensive, just rip it out. Like, who cares? It's a custom craft world trait. What does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would that would have been a really easy one just to delete that. I think wouldn't it? Yeah, it's not like you can't play Oathway or something like that anymore. Um, but. Um, so Eldritch Storm changed too. I really don't care about this. <laughs> Units within six inches now take D3 mortal wounds on a four plus. You know, change from like the potentially massive mortal do mortal wound damage you could possibly do. You know, that being said, uh that was like something you kept in your back your back pocket and was you're investing considerable resources to do that. Yeah. So for me it's neither here nor there because I, I just don't play that way. Um yeah. And even if I did, you'll be fine without it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I did like the idea of Eldritch Storm. Um, I, I've never actually got around to, to using it effectively, though. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm looking over at Horus Heresy right now. I'm like, damn, I miss Blast Templates. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And for those not familiar... I, I don't really. I don't really. <laughs> really? No. Like in second edition, I like the way they work where you just roll to hit. And if you hit, you could place the blast marker wherever you wanted. But if you missed, you'd have to scatter. But, yeah. you know, that's you know, totally fair enough. Some people hate blast templates and it did slow the game down a lot. But um, it did make stuff like Eldritch Storm and Flamers really, really good, which I liked. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that actually. But um, anyways, the last two, these are ones that really pissed me off. <laughs> um, natural Sigility and Fire and Fade. Fire and Fade is once per game. Like, to me, bullshit. Like, so dumb. Uh, completely yeah. unnecessary. It's once per turn. Um, small board size. You've got, what is it, Armager or the uh, Chaos War Dogs running 18 inches a turn with carnivores. Yeah. And just, like, absolutely shredding face. Uh, you know, with reduced command points and a lot of like the really deadly combat armies that are coming out right now, very aggressive, fast moving ones, just don't see the point. No, so I'm uh, 
just because I'm so busy, I'm a little bit out of the competitive meta at the minute. I think you've been keeping up and on a bit more than I have. Is, is Has that been an issue at all? Not that I'm aware of, like, because people aren't really playing Craft World Vehicles. Um, they're playing just Aspect Warriors. Like, maybe, like, one Wave Serpent, um, you know, maybe like a Falcon, like a single Falcon with Corsairs, which had popped up from time to time, and, okay. and or Fire Dragons. But it's not like people are doing, like, Mechdar by any stretch of the imagination like i you know i go to goonhammer quite a bit and check out what they're running but like you know things like hornets uh wave serpents falcons fire prisms all that kind of stuff they've been sort of like off meta choices that are really expensive that you have to play very smartly with deployment because they're big vehicles too even like the hornet squadrons are big um yeah and you're not fire and fading that much especially on a smaller like you're not going that far so uh you know unnecessary in my opinion and really really frustrating um yeah it it, it does seem like a, a game design thing to try and get rid of that sort of moving stuff which is like well just don't do it then like if you're not into this like rules concept for craft world eldar just don't do it get rid of uh battle focus if like you know you're philosophically against it but you got to replace it with something better or they're just going to be like eighth edition craft world eldar who are a joke yeah yeah definitely so and you know sort of in that same vein matchless ability uh, agility is a re-roll on your battle focus instead of auto seven inch <laughs> movement which is just garbage so it's, it's, it's like a command re-roll isn't it yeah like why bother yeah I mean, I guess you could do a command reroll and matchless agility, but with the limited pool of command points you have to work with, you're never going to do that unless it's no. like win the game. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's quite a strike, that isn't it? Yeah, so it's uh, you know, that you know, that's like a big blow to like Mechtar, which is definitely my you know preferred way of playing, sort of uh, you know, jet bikes, uh, skimmers. And, you know, like a small core of really hard-hitting Aspect Warriors and Infantry. Um, those builds weren't dominating. Um, they were very hard to play. They were expensive. They were fragile. And getting out of line of sight was like your only way to sort of survive. Um, so didn't feel like that was necessary at all. Yeah. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see how all this, this pans out uh, over the next couple of months. Um because there's, there's some quite sweeping changes across the entire game at the minute, isn't it? So I think lots of things are up in the air, and I think it's going to take you know a good month or so to start seeing where things land. For sure, because like you know we're in the Nephilim season now. Um, the secondaries have changed. We're not going to go through that. There's 85 pages of secondaries. Most of them are <laughs> super boring. <laughs> um, yeah. You're down to 6 CP. And I know this is the one that really irritates you, is the buying relics and warlord traits. Yep. Yeah, it's just not the way we play tested the game, and these armies like were not designed for that. Yeah, it, it just seems unnecessary to be honest. I think, it, it, I think having warlord traits and relics and stuff just add a little bit of individual character yeah. to your army. Although to be fair, most of the time it's like it, they kind of select themselves. Yeah, but it was just you make a decision of what your character on the tabletop was going to be, and I think uh, having to pay CPs that right now especially like uh, with the change in cps it just doesn't sit well with me 
No. And like maybe this is sort of like a marriage between Crusade and, you know, matched play. Um, but like the difference being is that like all those upgrades you can get in uh, Crusade are things you earn in game, like the upgrades and all that kind of stuff. Like you're not pulling yeah. from the same uh, resource pool. So um, it's not like a one to one comparison. Uh, so, I mean, just overall, I think that's just sort of a joy kill, um, especially for like autarchs and farseers who don't have like the best set of relics to begin with besides like yeah. the sunstorm bike or something like that and even that is mostly being used as like a tech piece as opposed to a sort of like sam han wild rider chief which is unfortunate yeah so i, th I think something really is unless unless a relic or wardle trait is borderline op yeah i just don't think you'll see them now yeah which i think which i think is a shame yeah, and like the your army revolves around your warlord or something like that. Um, yeah. So unfortunate, um, but you know, like all of these things are just sort of like unfortunate on the whole. I think like going down to six CP is good in principle, but like I said, you know, most of these codexes, you know, without breaking the NDA, do not feel like they were written with all of this in mind um you know some so, maybe were but i don't know so so i must say i i do actually like the change to the progressive cp nature of the game now I, yeah I, I do I, I do like that i think that actually is the one thing i've quite liked in this this change actually so that you don't uh you don't have this massive pool that you just alpha strike your enemy with um on turn one and two yeah yeah it's a bit of me measured resource what I don't like is having to pay warlord, warlord traits and uh, and relics. I just think that's just necessary. Yeah, especially for armies like um, you know Drakari, Harlequins, Admac. Um, what is the other chaos man? Like chaos, like they really thrive off of their stratagems. Um, luckily, the warlord traits and the relics are not too too amazing, but um, uh, it's it's a big change on the whole. Um, yeah, and it also just from like an Eldari perspective, uh, it really forces you into the road, you know, down the road of the battalion for Asuriani more than anything. And like uh, Asuriani live and die with their fast attack slots. Yeah, they really do. They've got enough, haven't they? Yeah, um, those are the heavy lifters for them as a faction. You know, Harlequins are probably less affected because you don't want to like lean too heavy into the bikes. It's more about the players. So it's yep. not like a huge deal, but you know, they're hamstrung in other ways. Um, so overall, not really happy with most of the changes. Like the, the points changes, I do not like almost across the board. I think they're unnecessary, really irritating. And, you know, I've seen people, you know, like on Goonhammer and stuff like that saying, they think it brings like craft world Eldar to like a C tier army. I would definitely not go that far, but like, uh, you know, B peaking at a for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I really, so Harlequins needed a little bit of knockdown, like a subtle knockdown. Uh, I didn't think the Azurani did. Yeah. So yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite surprised they got hit quite as much. Yeah. Um, so I, like I've heard, you know, just sort of like across the web with like the content creators and i think like when the like i'm talking about like the staple content creators not like you know 
<laughs> I guess maybe like today, guys on, you know, Apple Podcasts, like bitching and moaning about the game. But like, you know, when you see guys like, you know, Tabletop Tactics, uh, Winters, um, you know, Liam Dempsey, you know, Valrak, who's about as like happy-go-lucky as you could possibly get, um, really just being like, the game is broken. Like, it's too complicated. I, like, I don't even know how to play anymore. Uh, you know, Brian and Eric were almost like saying that. Um, it's, you know, it sucks. It's It's very disheartening. Yeah, I, I think Ninth Edition has been quite an interesting addition because they have they have really nailed what um, what factions should do, but in doing that, it's become too complex. Yeah, I, I would like to see it stripped back quite a bit. Um, things like having twenty odd stratagems to try and remember and stuff. I, I think it's it advantages people who play more regularly, as opposed to being and, and a bit able to like put those combos together because they can see them as opposed to rewarding skill on the tabletop. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I really think that that is, that that's really well said. Um, and, but I do think that, that the solution is like, obviously we can't just snap our fingers and like 10th edition will, you know, just pop into our living rooms. Um, but we can sort of change the way that like we approach the game. Um, and I, I think I said this, you know, for a long, long time, um, making the game like more of an, more of an event um you know maybe playing just like once or twice a month not trying to keep up with anything and uh you know going with crusade because i think crusade is great fun i think it's less complicated than people realize um there's definitely like an rpg element to it but it's engaging in between games like once you get over like the initial hurdle like when you're yeah. actually playing it's not that bad um, but there's a lot to dive into in between games, which is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've been thinking the similar thing actually, because, uh, I think I've come to the, the realization now that kill team is my competitive game. Cause I think it's a tighter game set. And for me, kill team is more about how well you play on the tabletop as opposed to building some crazy combo list that you've seen online or you've added these stratagems together to get some unbeatable combo. It's, it's more about, you know, two players getting down to it and actually out, out matching each other on the tabletop. Where I think 40K is coming for me is, yeah, really that sort of crusade and that narrative and, you know, getting together with my buddies uh, and just having a good time and just in a more casual, relaxed way now. Yeah, and just like the way how it's like basically like a escalation um you know escalation series of games sort of by default you can't sort of like work away work your way around that um yeah. i think it lends to a better game and um i think it takes like a little bit more of the emphasis off of making the most like you know bleeding edge hardcore list because you have just less to play with it's more about like flexibility and um you know, long-term thinking as opposed to just like wham, bam combinations. Like, you know, it, it takes a while to get to full power in crusade. And at that point, it's like, you're playing an apocalypse game at the end of the campaign and it feels thematic. Yeah. And I, and I think it gives you a different approach to the game as well. Where in a 40 K game sort of, um, competitive style, you throw your, your super duper dude in there, it smacks people <laughs> down and then it dies. But then in Crusade, you're like, no, I've I've invested many games in this person. I don't want them to get smacked down. <laughs> yeah. So I want the, I want to live, you know. So uh, it, it just you approach the game very differently because you're more invested in that model unit uh, for longevity of your Crusade. Yeah, I mean there are no throwaway units in Crusade. 
there really aren't like if you just start like chucking them into the meat grinder you know you're going to be at a big disadvantage like you know your opponent is going to you know if you play a little bit more conservatively like like their lives actually mattered um you're going to be like hugely rewarded um so uh i think there's just like a lot of things going for crusade that keep it like more i know people will probably disagree with this more balanced than like regular <clears throat> 40k like I think when most of the ninth edition codex is going back to their, uh, you know, their launch points values, you know, the yeah. power level stuff is really not that far off. Yeah. So I've, I've come a bit full circle on, um, my view to points now. I, um, I'm coming around to power level more actually, because I think, uh, to, if you look at these points that's on the, the data sheet here that gives you things down to the nearest point, if you think that's accurate, I think it's, it's it's a bit of a fallacy, really. Like, the game can't be point, you know, balanced to a single point on a, on a certain weapon. I think the, I don't think the power levels are as accurate. I think I think Age of Sigma do really well with their points that they've got, where it's like, it's like within tens and stuff of each other. Yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty good. So, but on the on reflection, I think power levels is probably a more accurate representation to. The balance of a data sheet than sort of going down to the nearest point or two. Especially when you look at like units like Imperial Guardsmen, where they basically give them all their upgrades for free. You can take like a LAS cannon for free in every single infantry squad. I mean, what's the difference at this point? You know, I mean, that might be a huge swing with with other armies, um, but I don't know. Something like that, I, I, I think, is probably the way forward. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. Because I don't know, maybe I'm just at that stage in life now where I don't necessarily have as much time as I'd like, uh, working quite hard with the family and stuff to like sit down there and nitpick to the nearest point. Where actually, uh, I think most of us are casually competitive and don't necessarily get so much time to dedicate it to, to 40k as you'd like. So actually, having a, a bit more of a looser uh, pointing system is, is probably more beneficial because you make lists up a lot quicker and it's probably a bit more reflective of the true level of which they're balancing i think so too um and i think it's i think it's worth pointing out too um that you know, a lot of this stuff it it's it's reached like such a level of complexity maybe with more like simplified data sheets um in a new edition it would be easier um but I think like accessibility is like the main thing of the game, and for me, just like Crusade is more accessible. Um, it gives me that sort of it scratches that competitive itch where like I want to win a war. Like I don't really care about like winning a pickup game so much anymore. Especially like I never just go to a random store and play anymore. Like I play with people that I know, people that have cool and interesting armies. Um, like I want to have a good game, not just like show up and have, you know, I want to have a good experience. Yeah. Yeah. And it, there was definitely a time where I, I wanted to go and have some SmackDown on, on tabletop and play a hard game and stuff. But now I think where I am in my life, actually, it's just having a, a bit more of a casual game and because my, my time is quite limited. So I don't necessarily want to go there and have a bad game. Like, I, I don't care if I, oh, in fact, I, I want to win because that's the kind of person I am, but uh, it's more about having a good time doing it. For sure. And I may or may not have said this on air, but I also think that like Crusade is almost like a playoff series. Um, I think it's a better test of skill 
you know, two players, you know, maybe more. I actually think the two-player campaign is sort of like the ideal thing. Um, you know, two players in a series of games, you know, whoever wins the majority of them wins. Like, you get to adjust to your opponent, their list, their play style. Um, I, you know, that to me is like way more engaging from like a, just like a tabletop hobby experience, you know. Uh, you know, it's like how real rivalries are formed and, you know, you don't feel like you're, you know, you've wasted an entire, you know, day out of your weekend if you lose one game in a campaign series. You know, you lose one game, you can still come back and get back in the fight next time. You have something to look forward to, you know, tooling up for the next battle, so. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because I, <clears throat> there, w- there was a time in my life when I was getting anywhere between three and ten games a week wow. that I was playing playing a lot at one stage um <clears throat> that's not not the case anymore and so uh paying a lot less frequently so during that downtime then you can still have that that bounce and that rivalry that you're you know you're creating your next unit and stuff for your crusade and stuff and you, you can fill the, the in-between games with you know that sort of continuity of actually having the crusade that you're investing in and still have that banter with your friends in the meantime yeah for sure. Uh, you know, I know for me and my brother, we absolutely love it. You know, growing up playing video games and, you know, playing against each other, like Mortal Kombat, Smash Brothers, all that kind yeah. of stuff, you know, uh, it just really translates into that. And uh, I think it's super competitive and it's a, it's a lot of fun. So, because um, I, I used to be, I didn't play to the volume of games that you did, but I used to play like once a week. I'd go to the gaming store like every week, just like five years ago. You know, like every weekend I go down to the gaming store and get in a game. Um, but, you know, I think that had a lot to do with 8th edition. Like maybe with a simpler game, I'd feel that way again. But yeah. I, I just, I don't have the time to invest in that. You know, it's just very mentally draining. Yeah, I, I got divorced, so I had a lot of time on my hands. So <laughs> I went to the local gaming store every day pretty much and played games. So it was, uh, it was quite a time in my life. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's a better coping mechanism than most. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, it's, it's, it's nice to have that, that downtime. And I, I think like, I think some people see Crusade stuff and think that you can't be competitive with it. Like, you, you it, it really is. I'd, I'd say in some ways it's more so because you, you're really invested in your army. Yeah. Yeah, and you do not want to die. It's not like regular games of 40k where like you're like, ah, eh, whatever. I'll chuck this unit of guardians into this unit of blood letters, or you know, your fire dragons or whatever. Like, you know, if you're playing against knights or something like that, you know, fire dragons are a great tool. But how do you keep them alive? Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, so you know, to me, it's much more of like a chess match. The survivability aspect of the game is way more important. Which you know, this sort of just occurred to me. Maybe that's part of the reason why. Uh, Wraith Guard and Wraith Blades have like a really high power level in Crusade because their staying power is really important. That's like a unique benefit in Crusade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't thought about all that. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a bit more stuck into, into Crusade now, having uh, seen all the changes that go and gone down. I think it's probably the way that I'm going to engage with 40k because I still love the game. I still love the. Uh, uh, the armies and the people around it as well so i think but i think the the way i'm going to engage it is through crusade yeah um i really just you know i have like a really cool army i just want to play it and um i feel like for the most part like the rules changes for the most part have been good for the game um it's just yep. the points value changes 
um, and some of the CP stuff. I mean, like you said, I like it. I don't like it. You know, there's pros and cons to both of it. But um, Crusade just feels like a more stable sort of platform or, you know, console even. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, I, I mean, despite being, you know, relatively salty, I mean, this is not like a ninth edition, a Suriani FAQ, Rangers losing minus one to hit, and, <laughs> you know, all of that. That was, that was the, uh, the birth of the salt arc. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's not like that. that, but it's just, uh, I'd rather bypass just a lot of like these really fiddly little things because, I feel like most of the ninth edition codex is going back to their core points. Their launch points says a lot, and that's sort of just what I want to go with at this point. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be really cool to see if uh, you know, listeners sort of crusade armies actually, and maybe get a bit of a thread going on the uh, on the Facebook page that I haven't visited for a while because I've been so busy. Um, so yeah, we should uh, we should get that going actually. I have an absolutely awesome crusade list. I'm super stoked about. I made like the ultimate Corsair prints. Like I invested all of my, you know, uh, pre-game requisition points in just making a super cool character. Um, yeah. That really represents my guy. He's like insane mobility. Um, uh, coming out of Wave Serpent too, because my brother loves playing with assassins and uh, that bike autark <laughs> with Vindicare assassins and everything else doesn't have much of a chance. So, no, I think that's a beautiful thing with the army as well. I think yours plays really well. It's because you spend so much time like developing the character of your army. It's it's really really beautiful to see. Cool, thank you, dude. Well, I'm excited to see you know your Imbrazil guys. Uh, hit the table too and see what direction you're going to take that army because my i think another reason why i love crusade so much is i love seeing people's army development especially my friends um so yeah i'm stoked to see what you're going to do with your Ibrazil. and if you're on the facebook group you know post your models you know tell me what you guys are thinking about crusade and you know what your experience is and how you played crusade yeah, so I think a random person that I'd like to see uh, is actually Paulie from um, Real Space Raiders because he's—I know he's a quite competitive player, but I think his army actually lends itself really nicely into being a Crusade army because he spends a lot of time on the characters. Oh, for sure, and you know, not for nothing. Like as much as I dislike that Drukari book, the Crusade content is amazing for that book like building your own sub realm in Cumbra. i mean what are we talking about i mean it does yeah. not get cooler than that <clears throat> yeah I, I kind of feel like you're missing out so much of that that book actually if you're not in crusade yeah a lot of the flavor uh comes from that crusade section and you know it's amazing like i wish corsairs had something like that too like you're building your pirate fleet or something it'd be super cool yeah James, the guy who wrote that book, uh, did a did a real sweet job on the on the crusade element. He did. It was you know it was absolutely outstanding, and uh, you know I think he broke a lot of ground, and I hope that continues uh, you know going forward and and into tenth edition. Absolutely. Me too. So, um, so I think that's all we've got for today. Unless you have anything yeah. else. No, no, it's just, it's just great to do this again. I'm, I'm sorry, I've just been uh, I've been on a course that was meant to like take three months, and end up taking twelve months. And the last few months have, uh, have been pretty full on. So uh, I'm through that now, and uh, I can actually not have the sort of Damocles hanging over my head where I, at the weekends I think I should be studying. 
rather than doing podcasts and <laughs> things, and actually to, to not doing anything and then not doing any studying either. So, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's nice to, to have that course behind me and actually uh, get on and enjoy doing some hobbying again. Yeah, and if like you're really down about like all these FAQ things and all this stuff, the points changes, la 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 la. You know, just sort of shift gears. You know, maybe look at Crusade or just figure out what you do want to do. You know, with your army, um, you know, maybe dusting off units or buying like just like an extra box, like bolster. You know, a good core unit or something like that. Because in my opinion, Craft World Book is still really, really good in the hands of a master. It's amazing. Um, same thing with Harlequins and uh, Drukari have been rising back up too. So I think all three factions are not at the top of the podium anymore, but they're still very, very good. And if you spend time on them, you'll be just fine. Yeah, and and, and the models are so beautiful and they'll be around for ages and things peak and trough. And having played this game for a long time, uh, what's old is new again at various times. So yeah, just just keep with your army. Don't put them on eBay and uh, stick with it is my, my best advice. Yeah, soldier on, um, because you know, I'm definitely excited for the game, and you know I wouldn't tell you guys to be excited if I wasn't too. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, all right, guys. Well, until next time, get into the Facebook group. Uh, let us know what you're doing um, with your Crusade Force or just your collection in general, and uh, we will be back soon. I'll see you soon.